Today with Catherine Ruinala. We've been looking for a little while at Psalm 56. And I, I do love the Psalms because in the Psalms we read, uh, and David wrote so many of the Psalms, we, we just see the honesty of his heart. And you know, God really loves honest prayers. If you're struggling to connect with God or you're feeling even a little bit distant or you've been having a hard time, one of the fastest ways back into that place of connection with Him, of recognizing that He is there with you, is just to get honest, is just to open your heart honestly to Him. And I love the way in the Psalms, the psalmist is just so raw. And he'll say, this is what I'm feeling. This is the situation. But this is who I know you to be. I'm going to think about that. And then hope rises up in their hearts. And uh, it's such a powerful thing to do. Now, as I walk and talk with the Lord, uh, the only way is for me to expose my heart to Him, to lay it all out before Him and get really honest with Him. Because the moment I do that I, and come in faith, believing that he hears me, <gasps> then the tide of battle turns. We've read it in the Passion Translation, verse 8, um, tells us that, um, that even as, as we come before him, he says, the very moment I call to you, you send a father's help and the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This I know. God is on my side. I'm going to read it to you from the ESV um, here in verse 8. He says, You've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. This I know God is for me. Now, when David says this, he doesn't say it hopefully that I'm trying to remember that you're for me. He says it with a deep conviction in his heart. This I know. This I know. I know it. It doesn't matter if I'm surrounded by enemies. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if I've been betrayed and let down. It doesn't matter. You know all my tears. You know all my wanderings. You kept them all in your bottle. And this I know. The moment I call to you for, a, for help, you send a father's help. And the tide of battle turns. I know. Mm. Let's have a look at Psalm 27. This is one of my favorite Psalms. And there's so much in it, I, I'd like to read it all to you, but for time, uh, I'll just pick out a few verses here. He starts off, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He reminding himself, this is what I believe. And he goes on, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And the beautiful verse four, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon, my, upon a rock, 
And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You've said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Hide not your face from me. He goes on. And then verse 10 says, for, for um, my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Other versions say, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. And then he says this. I'm going to read this from the New King James because I'm more familiar with it. He says this in verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even if my mother and father forsake me, or, or my mother and father have forsaken me, but God will take care of me. I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed this. And you see it as a constant theme through, through David's life. That it, it's true, even when Samuel was calling for all the sons of Jesse to be brought forward, his father didn't even invite him to the party. He didn't even consider that he might be an option. And when you read about David and his mighty men and the life of David, you don't hear about his, his father and mother and brothers all there cheering him on. Jesus understood this too. We read in John 7 that even his own brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus had in his circle Judas who betrayed him to death for 30 pieces of silver. But they had this thing in common. I would have lost heart had I not believed that God is for me, that God is on my side. David, Joseph, they, all the way through Scripture, you can see those who were called to shift nations and do extraordinary things. Each one of them had the opportunity to give up hope because people who should have helped them and should have believed in them, deserted them, abandoned them, rejected them, betrayed them. But yet they had in their heart this solid conviction. This one thing I know, God is for me. You see, God wants to give every one of us this conviction that we can say, doesn't matter what's going on. Even though an army might come against me, even though I might be surrounded, I have this unshakable hope. You see, when difficulty comes and when people let you down and when circumstances seem overwhelming and the, the, the battle seems so fierce, we have a choice at that point to either pivot to despair or pivot to hope. And those who have a connection with God that has developed in them a deep conviction that mm, this one thing I know, God is on my side. God is for me. Who can be against me? Those who have discovered 
this I know. They have a strength that will see them through no matter what. David, when he was being pursued by Saul and the armies and uh, all through all the, the, the trials and the struggles that he went through, then finally... Even the Philistines were rejecting him. And then he heads back to Ziklag with his ragtag army of rejects, pretty much. And they discover, after three days of marching, exhaustion, that the town's been ransacked, set on fire. All their possessions and their wives and their children have been taken. And even, even his faithful few men say start talking about, this is terrible, we should just stone David. <laughs> like, like, he's in a bad way. He has this promise that he'd be king, and yet the one that he thought might help him, Saul, is now trying to kill him. The enemy has come and stolen everything that's dear to them. They're at the place of utter exhaustion, complete rejection. And David has a choice. Either to pivot to despair and curse God and die. Or to say, I would have lost heart had I not believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The Bible says at that moment, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You see, David had developed over his life from when he was just a young shepherd boy, a connection with the Father. I know that you are for me. I know that you will help me. The very moment I call to you for help, the tide of battle turns. This one thing I know, when my mother and father forsake me, you will take care of me. That even if other people who should look after me, even other people who should be cheering me on, reject me and talk about wanting to kill me, this one thing I know, God is for me who can be against me. It's not bravado. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm trying to stir myself up. He has this deep conviction. He knows. How does he know? How do you get this knowing? Well, I believe it, it begins at conversion. And conversion comes when you get honest with God. And you come before the Lord and you say, God, I've heard about you. I believe in you with my head. But I'm gonna, I want to I know you. I feel you speaking to my heart, seek my face. And I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to seek your face. And we seek his face like this. We get honest and we say, help. I need help. We humble ourselves. I did this when I was just 12 years old. I got real with God in worship. I said, Lord, I can't see you and I don't know you, but I believe in you. But it's just really hard to to." to worship and sing to somebody I can't see and don't know. Help. And supernaturally, God just deposited on the inside a knowing. Oh, ah, 
I'm not talking to a concept. I'm not talking to somebody I intellectually agree and believe about. There's something's happened on the inside. Oh, it's real. There you are. And then God doesn't expect us to live on the memory of that encounter. But every day wants to strengthen and encourage and deepen that conviction in our hearts. For a long time, I would think that God was a bit like the school principal. You know, you go to talk to God and he, he probably just wants to straighten you out and, you know, make sure you're doing well and correct you where you're off, off course. But most... Most kids don't really enjoy a trip to the school principal's office. And when we believe that about God, our heart desire to go and spend time talking with him is not very high. Because why do you want to go to talk to someone that's going to be judging you or pointing out all your faults and your weaknesses? We're pretty good at doing that to ourselves. God gives us a conscience. We know when we do the wrong thing. It's wrong. You can either wrestle with it or just surrender and go, sorry, God, that was wrong. But then we've got to have faith. We've got to believe. I believe that Jesus Christ, the one who went through all the same things and worse that I've walked through, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, took my sin upon himself and was punished for it, died, went to hell, rose again, and now by having faith in his love for me, in his sacrifice, I can, be, I can receive mercy and forgiveness. I can be justified by faith. Hallelujah. Set free from the fear and the guilt and the, the penalty of sin, for the wages of sin is death. But God came that we might have life and life more abundant. And by believing in Jesus, I get this solid, I know that he's for me. And so when I go and walk and talk with him, especially when I was younger and still had this belief about God, I'd, I'd, I'd expect him to correct me. And he'd come and he'd, I'd, I'd say, okay, God, speak to me. I can take it, cut me deep, God. And he'd say, I love you. I'd be like, yeah, I know, everyone knows. Come on, like really, I'm open, talk to me. I love you. And he is relentless in his kindness and his love and his mercy. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Surely you should be smacking me up the side of the head, God. Surely you should be telling me all the things. But actually, when we repent and we receive mercy and believe Jesus forgives us, the Bible says he doesn't even remember your sin. He's not looking at you going, sinful, horrible person, I have to love you because I'm God. He looks at us and goes, isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Yes, a fair God. I haven't heard that. 
But yet, because we've put our faith in Jesus, we don't have to be afraid that sin is separating us from God because Jesus has taken our sin, taken our shame, and we have been reconciled to God. And his desire for us is that we would know that we know that we know that God is on our side. We might think, oh, hang on, how can you say that? Well, the Bible tells us that. And, and David, who lived under the old covenant, had this key of David, this connection in worship where he had discovered, oh, I know who he is. God is for me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And David didn't live a perfect life. But as soon as he recognized his sin, he would repent. And God didn't go, oh, well, you've mucked it up now. I mean, David, David, the lover of God who'd write these Psalms, he committed adultery and murder and lied to cover it up. And yet, as soon as he repented... The father's saying, in the line of David, in the line, in the line of Jesse, my son is going to come. He's going to be known as the son of David. He's going to be known. He's going to be known as being in the line of David. He talks about the key of David and he talks about David like he's so lovely and he's so wonderful. And we might think by human standards, that's not very fair. But you see, God doesn't judge us by our performance. He judges us by our faith, by our humility to receive by faith what we can have no part in earning, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul prays, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Why? We need every day revelation of his grace for us, of the, the depth and the height, the breadth, the glorious ocean of love that he has for us and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit who will remind us of the truth that we are forgiven and that we are loved so that we can walk in holy confidence. God's not not desiring a people who walk around beating themselves up, saying, I'm a hopeless hypocrite. I'll never make it. I've mucked it up. I've messed it up. God might have had a plan for me, but now, you know, I should have known better and I didn't and I told a lie or I did this or I, I watched that or I said this and, oh, God, I'm sorry. And God's there, oh, forgiven, clean. Look at you. You're altogether lovely. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we're like, hang on. Shouldn't we be talking about what, what I did there? Shouldn't, we, shouldn't you be like putting me in the naughty corner for a while to help me learn my lesson? We, we as parents, we need people, to, our children to understand when you've done the wrong thing. And God knows when we do the wrong thing, our hearts go off like an alarm. Ah, wrong, wrong, wrong. You can't be happy. 
because you're not made to be like that. But the moment you go, ah, yuck, turn from that. (gasps) Embrace, thank you, God. I remember you've given me grace. You've forgiven me. Thank you, God. You've given me power now to make choices, to walk in purity and joy and holiness, (gasps) freedom. God wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your soul. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions back to a place where you come in and say, this I know, God is for me. God is on my side. I would have lost hope had I not believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, David had so many opportunities to be discouraged and and get upset. He had so many people do the wrong thing by him. Jesus had so many people reject him, curse him. But when we understand that we have one that is better than anybody else could ever be to us, then when we have this conviction... I can come to him and encourage myself in the Lord. Then you aren't dependent on what other people think about you to feel okay about yourself. You see, when a mother and father forsake me, that can be a really rough deal. Like when, when people close, when family or, or leaders judge your heart or or don't believe in you, that can feel really hard. But when we when we dig in deep and recognize, okay, I'm not I'm not dependent on how people feel about me or what they do or what support they give me. I'm dependent on the reality that you are for me, that no matter what comes against me, you will make whatever the enemy means for evil turn for my good. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I've seen it happen. When I first stepped out into ministry, um, both sides of, of the family, they were Christians, and I thought they'd all be all excited about me stepping into full-time ministry. But... At that time, at that very time, both sides of the family, for different reasons, one side of the family got involved with a a group that didn't believe in women in ministry or the gifts of the spirit or prophecy or healing or anything. And then the other side, they were looking at me and and they they weren't very excited about the, the, the weird stuff that I seemed to be into with all the, like, uh... Pentecostal stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, wouldn't it be good if they all came and they all were part of my church and encouraged me and, you know, this would be great. And they didn't. And then I thought maybe other leaders in the city will be so excited that God, well, they weren't very happy. And you think, oh, oh, God, well, surely there'd be other Mothers and fathers in the faith that'll want to just really speak a word of encouragement. No, didn't happen quite the way I'd hoped. And then you have to go, oh God. And I, that, I'm not saying everybody was against me, but there were there were more than one. 
that weren't so excited about a woman stepping into ministry. But if my hope was based on what people felt and thought and said, I would have just got discouraged. I would have lost hope had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, I believe God wants to birth promises in the hearts of so many people that are above what you could ever ask, hope or imagine. But if you're waiting for other people to be there to make it happen for you, I'm sure David thought Saul would make it happen for him. Like, oh, I've become this, the king's son-in-law. I'm doing really good. Maybe soon Saul will just, you know, mentor me how to be king and, and this will be really good. But then Saul started throwing spears at him and chasing him down with the very armies that he'd had him lead. Ow! Am I out of the will of God? No, you have an opportunity to find your strength in the one who cannot let you down. You have an opportunity to discover this is where my hope is found. And you see, when you get that, you've got access to strength 24 hours a day. 